Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you'd like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you'd like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 256-483-4991. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now, get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, continues with part three of his series, Question Theology. All right. Good morning, Faith Church. Hey, man, how you guys doing today? Awesome. I know it's a little chilly outside, but I'm glad you're here snuggling in together. Want to welcome all of our Faith Church family. Man, guys, thanks for being here this weekend. Want to welcome all of our first-time guests. It is absolutely always our honor and our privilege. We want you to know that we consider you a guest, and we hope that you're taken care of. We hope that every question you have is answered, maybe needs that you have are met. And we hope today is truly, for everybody here, each and every time we pray as a staff, that God would change your life, that God would impact your heart. We believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And so, man, just open up your heart as we get in today. I want to welcome all those who are watching online. Can we give them some love? Come on, church. <clears throat> My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church. And, man, we've been in the middle of a series just talking about some questions. But let me just ask you a question. How many people remember the rules you had? As a kid, right? Everybody, we had lots of rules. I remember, and probably some of my rules were some of your rules. You know, we had kind of the basics, things like this, right? Brush your teeth, make your bed, you know, don't talk back. Like everybody kind of has the standard rules that kind of governs kids and makes sure that there's some kind of peace and sanity in a home. And probably, I, maybe like you as well, every home has like some unique rules. So we kind of had the rules we all shared, but like I had some unique rules in my house that maybe you didn't have. In fact, none of the friends that I had had this rule. We had a rule that no one could be in our house when our parents weren't home. Anybody else have that rule? It was weird because if anybody was hanging out at our house or if anybody came over and we were like hanging out there, if you had to go to the bathroom, we're sorry, can't come in. You want something to eat? We can bring it to the door, but you can't come in. And because uh, dad made the rule, mom's rules we broke, but dad's rules, you don't play with dad. And so we had the rules that everybody had. We had some unique rules. But here's the thing I remember the most is that there were a handful of rules that mom and dad had to repeat the most. Like they're the ones they said over and over again. And here's why. They repeated rules the most because they're the rules we broke the most or they're the rules that we had the potential to hurt us the most if we didn't listen. Like, for example, my mom and dad would tell us over and over, I, had, uh, I have two older brothers, uh, don't call names and don't fight. Do you know why they had to tell us over and over and over again, don't call names and don't fight? Because on a regular basis, when you have two older brothers, you're going to call some names and you're going to fight. And so like they would have to repeat the rules. Hey, anytime they would go out, hey, don't fight with your brothers. Get along with your brothers. Don't call each other names. So again, they would repeat the rules the most because they were the ones that we broke the most. Again, not just the ones we broke the most, but they were concerned. There were some rules that they would say over and over again because if we didn't keep them, these rules would have the potential to hurt us the most. So like one rule that I remember hearing a lot growing up, I grew up in a shooter's home. My dad's a shooter. He's a gun guy. But this is truth. I never remember seeing a gun in our house. But I can tell you, my parents told me over and over and over again, never touch your, your dad's guns. Never touch your dad's guns. Like I never seen them. I probably would have touched them. 
But, like, there was the rule. Do you know why? Because my parents knew if I'm a kid and I pick up a gun, there's a good chance I'm going to get hurt. So they reminded us of the rules the most that either had the ones that we broke the most or had the potential to hurt us the most. Another one was, and you guys I'm sure had this one, don't get in a stranger's car. Like, you know, I mean, like, they stopped telling me that when I was, like, 15 or 16. I think, like, when you're a teenager, like, please get in a stranger's car. But when we're, when we're kids, like, we would hear it all the time. Like, I was, I was like the, the nightlight generation, right? You out the street light. When the street lights were out, that's when you came home. So back then, like, don't get in a stranger's car. We heard that over and over and over again. Well, I never got in a stranger's car, but the reason that my parents said those rules over and over again is because, again, the ones they said the most are the ones we broke the most or the, the rules that had the most potential to hurt us if we didn't listen. So just, just a thought. Do you know that God says in Scripture... Over 360 times, don't be afraid. 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 Stop it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But God, you don't understand. No, no, God, don't be afraid. Do you know why? Listen, I want you to think about this. Why would God give us this boundary, give us this rule, whatever term you want to do? Like, why would God repeat it 365 times? Do you know why? Because it's the rule that we break the most, Right? I mean, come on, all of us in this room, we fear, we doubt, we struggle, we wrestle with anxiety, all of us in this room. And not only that, not only does God tell us that rule, that boundary so many times because it's the one we break the most, but because it has the power and the potential to hurt us the most. I'm just telling you that if you have fear in your life, if you have worry in your life, if you're a person that struggles with anxiety, if you have unknown situations in your future, like, you can't have the peace that God wants you to have. You can't have the confidence in this life that God wants you to have. So, like, God just has to keep saying it. Hey, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But the truth is, again, it's, it's, it's the common denominator in this room that all of us struggle with worry. Right? We worry about so many things. We worry about the economy. We worry about our personal finances. We worry if we're going to get a job. We worry if we get the job, we're going to be able to keep the job. We worry about are we going to graduate? Are we going to get into the program? Or we worry about relationships. Are we going to find that significant other? Are we going to be able to make it happen? Are we going to stay married? We have big fears. Like, y'all know, like, I got a spider fear. I am a arachnophobe right here. Like, I'll kill scorpions, snakes. I'm telling you, wolves in the forest, but don't put a spider on me. But, like, we have big fears. Like, we're afraid of rejection. Like, I don't care how big and bad you are. Every person in this room is afraid of rejection. We're afraid of failure. If you weren't afraid of failure, you would try more in life than you've already tried. We're afraid of death. And so, like, we have these worries and these fears we wrestle with. And here's the thing is, God has so much to say about it. It makes a lot of bold statements in Scripture. But Jesus... Like in typical Jesus fashion, Jesus, he makes some statements, but he asks more questions. And we've been in the middle of this series entitled Question Theology, where we look at some of the questions that Jesus asked. And because, here's what we've been saying, that Jesus, he never really asked questions for his information, but for our transformation, right? When Jesus comes, and we find it in Scripture that he asks over 300 questions, and he's asking questions not because he's looking for information, but when he asks a question, he's kind of looking for us to dig down deep into our guts, into our soul. Like, why do we feel what we feel? Why do we think what we think? When Jesus is asking a question, it's because he's wanting us really to research our heart and really find out the answer. And so when it comes to issues like worry and anxiety and doubt 
and fear. You know, Jesus, man, this is one of the number one questions that he asks over and over and over again. In fact, just here's a couple of them real quick, and I'm just going to read these. These are out of context, but I want you just, as I ask these, just think about these. Just dig deep for a second. Like, here's some questions. Why are you so anxious about your clothes? Ladies. That's not in the original Greek. I just threw that in there. But come on, everybody at one point is worried about their clothes. We're worried, can we dress ourselves, feed ourselves, take care of ourselves? And if we have enough, are we in style? Are we accepted? Do we fit in? Do we matter? And Jesus like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, why are you so anxious about your clothes? Really? In this big world, that's what you're anxious about? Why are you so afraid? You're not just afraid, but you're so afraid. Why? What's at the heart of it? Here's one. Where's your faith? Like, what are you trusting in? What's, what's kind of your anchor? What's, what's your stable point that, like, is shaking underneath you that's causing you to be afraid? Here's another one. Keep going. It's a big one. If even the smallest things are beyond your control, why are you anxious about the rest? Like, he's saying, you, you can't manage the small stuff, and you're trying to really fix all the big stuff. And now it's got you bothered, has you up at night. Why? Keep going. Here's another one. He says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your mind? So again, like Jesus is asking these questions like, what's going on? Like, what's in your heart? What's in your mind? Why are you afraid? Why are you fearful? Why? Like, why? What's, what's, what's at the heart of the fear in your life? Here's one more. Can, oh, this is a big one. This is a big one. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? He's saying for all the time you're putting in, investing, worrying, and afraid, he's saying does it change anything? For all the emotional energy that you invest in fear, does it even change the situation? When you stay up at night worried about the test, does it change your grade? When when you sit at home holding the phone afraid that you're going to get the text that they broke up with you, does it change whether they break up with you or not? When you're worried about whether you're going to get the job, does it change whether you get the job or not? He's saying, like, you're, you're investing all this emotional energy and it doesn't fix anything. Here's what I want you to know is, is that worry doesn't change situations, but worry changes us. Fear doesn't fix anything, but fear pollutes us. And so here's the reason. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to answer the question for me. I can't answer it for anybody else. But Jesus, you're asking me questions. Why am I afraid? Why am I worried? Why am I doubting? Here's why, God, because I'm not in control. Because if I was in control, I would make sure everything worked out every time. It would all work together the way I want. And if I was in control, I wouldn't have anything to worry about. Come on, can we just be honest here? God, if I, like, if I was in control, I wouldn't worry. But here's the thing, we're not. So then it comes back, and here's what you guys have to hear is, while everybody faces fears, people with faith should face situations differently. So all of a sudden it comes down, and now you got to be real honest. Not just, I'm not in control, but we have to say as people of faith, God, the reason I'm afraid is because not just am I, 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 don't, I question whether I'm in control. God, I'm not sure if you're in control. Oh, and God, I, if, if you're in control, then I'm not sure you really care because, God, if you were really in control, then this wouldn't be happening. And like, I'd already had the job. I wouldn't have got this diagnosis. And God, so if you're in control, something's wrong. And if you're in control, you obviously don't care. And if you care, you can't be in control because, like, my life is upside down and I got a lot to worry about. But here's what I want you to know on the front end of this message. This is so big. 
is that at any point you can catch your life, you can kind of hone in on a moment where it looks like that God's not in control, right? On all of our lives, there's times it looks like if God's in control, he doesn't care. In fact, the disciples one time, they were in a tough spot, and they asked Jesus this, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Like, they're, they're having like a panic attack. Like, Matthew's got a bag, like, he's hyperventilating. You know, Jesus, don't you give a rip? Do you know why? Because they were in a situation they couldn't control. And in the middle of it, in that moment, it looked like maybe God didn't care. And here's what I want you to know. If you're here and like you're struggling with fear and anxiety, if you're honest, the reason you wrestle with it in your heart, the way I wrestle with it in my heart, is because I'm not in control. And I'm sometimes not so sure that God's in control either. Because if I was convinced I was in control or God was in control, there'd be no reason to worry. There would be no reason to fear. But sometimes, again, we get in a moment where it looks like God's no longer in control or it looks like God's not caring. But here's what I want you to know. This is your fill in the blank for today. Check this out. An eternal God cannot be defined by a momentary circumstance. Let me say that again. An eternal God cannot be defined by a momentary circumstance. That means you, if, you just, if you just take a snapshot of a moment of your life and you say, God's supposed to be with me, but look at this, man. This, my life's upside down. Things are not right. I just got laid off. I just got a doctor's report. Someone just broke up with me. Like, God, obviously, like, this is why I'm worried because where's God at? And I want you to know there's going to be times it doesn't look like God's with you, but you can't capture God by a moment. you got to look at kind of the whole story. And I'm just here to tell you, listen, if you look at your whole life, you'll find out God's been with you. If you look at not just one situation but all your situations, some of you can stand up and talk about how like you can't define God by a moment but God like he's been in your story he's been in your life he's shown up and I, if nothing else in your life we have the cross of Calvary standing in history that's the definition of God's love for us God is with us 100% like let me just give you a, a, a great illustration of this so um, I am a, a purely heterosexual man no questions about it ask my wife like really ask her just bombard her after service, line up. <laughs> so <clears throat> about 10 years ago, I was at a conference, and it was a suit conference, right? So everybody there is wearing suits. It was suits in the morning. It was business in the morning, and it was a party in the evening. So we show up. I'm there with a couple other friends, and so we have to wear suits in the morning. And so we dress up in suits, and we check out of our hotel because it's the last day. And uh, so at the end of the business stuff in the morning, like we're wearing suits. We don't want to wear suits anymore. We got casual clothes. We want to get into casual clothes. But we've already checked out of the hotel, so there's no place to change. Like you don't want to be the guy carrying in like a suit, like just into a random bathroom in a store. So we're like, like where do we change at? Well, we're driving the three of us in a big 15-passenger van, and I get this really great idea. This is a great idea. I'm like, there's plenty of room for us to change in here. I mean, like, we're three friends, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with us. So we find a quiet, private spot behind a shopping plaza, behind a Target. This is a true story, by the way. <laughs> and so we pull up, and, like, we just, we just all start getting undressed. We start taking our clothes off because we got, like, casual clothes. And I'm telling you, at the worst moment, had he come two minutes before or two minutes later, it would have been all good. But at the most inopportune time, like, we're in our drawers, like, we got T-shirts off. Here comes, I promise you, a police officer. <laughs> We're standing outside half naked. Now, I'm just telling you, listen, if you only had a snapshot of that moment, you'd say, he's gay. <laughs> you would. 
Because that's what it looked like. In that moment, it looked like something risque was happening. It looked like something right. Like, we don't know what's going on. But no one would say, there's a pastor, and he's married happily with three children at home. <laughs> Do you know why? Because if you, you can catch anybody in this room, you can catch any moment in our lives, you can catch us in a bad spot. And if you try to pin God down to a moment, it's going to look like at times that he's not there. It's going to look like at times he doesn't care. But you got to get the big picture of who he is. And he is always working in all the circumstance of our life. In fact, the Bible says he's working all things together for good. Everybody shout for good for good for those who love him. So with that in mind, I want us to look at a story found in Matthew chapter 14. It's a really cool story, and it's one where we kind of face some fears that all of us have, and we see how Matthew deals with it again because people of faith, again, everybody faces problems. Everybody has worries. Everybody has anxieties, but as people of faith, we should face them differently. So, Matthew chapter 14, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there. Matthew chapter 14, and check this out. Here's where the story, let me just tell you this. Jesus has been ministering to people all day, right? Multitudes have come, he's taught, he's healed people. The disciples have kind of been his sidekicks for the day. They're exhausted, man. It's been an emotional pour-out day of ministry. The multitudes are leaving. Jesus looks at the disciples and says, hey, guys, get in the boat. Now, just remember, a handful of these guys have been lifelong generational fishermen. Hey, get in the boat and go to the other side. And Jesus like, I'll meet you there. And Jesus, he like gets alone with the Father. He like hangs out, spends some time in prayer. Because I'm just telling you, while nap is good, time with God is what every person needs in this room at times to refresh your heart and your mind. And so Jesus recognizes like that's where his strength is going to come from. So he gets alone with the Father the disciples now are kind of out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and a storm kicks up. And here's where the story picks up. Check this out. Meanwhile, while Jesus is praying, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land. Watch this. For a strong wind had arisen, and they were fighting heavy waves. This is like a perfect storm moment, right? The waves are rocking and rolling, storm, it's raining, boats filling up with water, things are going bad. Check this out. Keep rolling. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When he said, I'll meet you there, like he did not take the long way, shortcut across the water. Y'all have obviously seen people walk on water before. That's why you're not impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> right? Jesus moonwalking on H2O right here. Watch this. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Kind of interesting. Keep going. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Come on, read this with me. Here's one of the 365 times Scripture says it. But Jesus spoke to them. Jesus speaks to us. And what does he say? Don't be afraid. Come on, say it again. Don't be afraid. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus, do you know what's going on here? Like, we're in a boat. It's rocking and rolling. Like, right, Peter, he's getting, he's getting motion sick. There's waters filling up. It looks like potentially this boat's going to sink. If the boat sinks, we're going to drown. Not only that, now we got a ghost on the horizon. And you show up and you say, don't be afraid, like, I'm afraid. Let me, listen, if you're here and you're in a plane with turbulence and you're pretty sure it's going to crash and you look out the window and there's a ghost floating in the sky, anybody here going to be afraid? I'm afraid. I'm afraid telling this story. I wasn't even there. And Jesus has the audacity in the, middle of, in the middle of a life and death moment, critical situation, ghost on the water. He says, hey, don't be afraid. And I just want to say like probably you want to say, 
You know what, God, if you would fix this, I wouldn't be afraid. If you would remove the thing that I'm afraid of, I'll stop being afraid. If you'll fix the situation that I'm anxious about, I'll stop being anxious. Because that's what we want from God. We want God to show up and like fix stuff and change stuff. And so God, if you'll just make it all go away, if you'll, if you'll just change it, like I'll stop being afraid. But I want you to notice what Jesus says. He doesn't just say, don't be afraid. He says, take courage. Why? Why do we not have to be afraid? Because I'm here. Everybody shout that. I'm here. Jesus kind of breaks in the middle of this. And he doesn't change the storm yet. He doesn't make it stop. He doesn't bail water out of the boat. All the circumstances are the same, but the difference is, he says, I'm here. Which means this, is that God's presence doesn't always change the circumstances of our life, but God's presence should change how we view those circumstances. Which means if you're in the middle of a bad situation, I get it that you're afraid. I've been afraid too. If you're in a troubling situation, if you're in a life and death moment, if you're in a critical time in your life and like you're anxious and you're not sure it's all going to work out, like, here's the thing is, just because God shows up doesn't mean it's all going to work out and everything's going to be perfect and everything's going to come together the way we want. But what it means is God's presence should change the way we view the situation. Now God is there. Come on. We're going to be all right. Here's what, check this out. Isaiah says this. This is a great promise in Scripture. Again, check it out. God keeps giving us the rule. Do you know why? Because we keep breaking the rule. Some of you are going to go tonight, you're going to face a situation and fear is going to want to come. Bills are going to show up and you're going to want to get afraid. Your business is going to be on the line and you're going to want to fear. So he comes one more time. He says, hey, come on, read it with me. Don't be afraid. Why? For I'm with you. Not for I'll fix everything, but because I'm with you. Don't be discouraged for I'm your God. He's not just another buddy we're piling around with. He is who? He's our God. He says, and I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. He's saying, listen, all these situations you're going through may not change, but because I'm with you in the middle of the situations, that means you have access to my strength. What would have overcome you in the past is not going to overcome you because you have my strength, you have my help, you have my promise, and you have my hope. And I'm just telling you, listen, if you are a person of faith, we got to dig in and we ask the question, why am I afraid? We don't really believe God's in control. We got to dial it back and say, I believe God's with me, and I believe he's in control. And if we really believe it, it changes. It really does. It should change the dynamic of the situation because we're not in it alone. Let me, let me just give you another story. So, right, you all know this. I didn't grow up with Jesus. grew up outside the church, and so kind of rough and tumbly. You know, I, I, I had some fights growing up. Anybody here, anybody here ever been in a fight? Now, not you push somebody and they pushed you back and the teacher came. And I'm talking about anybody here been in a fight? Anybody here ever won a fight? Come on, raise your hand if you ever won a fight. That's anybody here ever lose a fight? See, some of you are like, no, nah, I never lost a fight, liar. <laughs> you ain't never lost a fight because you ain't never been in a fight. So we're at this club one night. I'm probably 17 and it was a 21 and up club. But I looked like my brother who was older than me, so I used his ID to get in and I was in there with a couple friends of mine, and we're there this night, and anybody here ever write a check with your mouth that your rear end can't cash? <laughs> so me and two of my buddies start talking trash to this group of guys, and what we didn't know about the, these group of guys is that we thought there was just two or three like us, and there was like six of these guys. And I graduated, and I can count, and six is more than three. And so, you know, when you get in a fight and it just happens, like, you don't have time to worry about it. Like, it just happens. 
But when some, like, anybody here remember, like, you're in fifth grade and the bully says he's going to beat you up at the end of the day? You got all day to worry about it. So, like, this fight's going to, when we leave the club, there's going to be a fight. And so, and it's not going to be good because there's more of them than us, and they're older than us and bigger than us. And so, I'm afraid. Like, I didn't look like I was afraid, but I'm, I'm just telling you, like, I had a bubble gut. I was like, oh. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, listen, there was one moment in the night. None of you know who this is, but there was a moment in the night where the Spraglings showed up. Now, you don't know the Spraglings, but Jerome and Michael Spragling were some bad dudes. And Jerome and Michael Spragling were good friends of mine, and when they showed up, they had a bunch of their cousins with them. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it went, from two to, it went from like three against six to like ten against six. I'm just telling you, listen, the fight was still on. But anybody here, can you just understand that all of a sudden my fear changed, not because the situation changed, but because who was with me changed, and all of a sudden who was with me changed my perspective and my attitude, and I was ready for the fight? Listen, when God shows up in our situation, listen, the situation may be the same, but he is our strength and our help and our hope and our righteousness, and when he shows up, we should have some confidence. Come on, if I got some... If I got some confidence in Jerome and Michael Spragling, I have some confidence in the son of the living God. We, we won, if anybody, if anybody cares. I tell stories sometimes, and like I don't always finish it because I just want to tell my point. People are like, you didn't tell us what happened. I felt like it was important to tell that part. So I don't want to leave that part out. Keep going in the story. Check this out. So fear, this is big, so fear is overcome not by the absence of problems, but by the presence of Christ. So you want to answer like, how do, I, how do I deal with my fear? Fear is overcome not by the absence of problems. If you were looking for a carefree, problem-free life, good luck. It just won't happen this side of heaven. Everybody in this room, you can be an agnostic, atheist, Christian, Buddhist, non-religious, religious, religious ch church, unchurched, de-churched, does not matter your faith standing. We will all have problems. But fear is overcome not by the absence of problems, but by the presence of Christ. And I'll show you what I mean. Keep going in the story. Watch this. So watch this. So boats rocking. Boat's filling up, looking like it's going to sink. Disciples are freaking out. They're afraid they're going to drown. A ghost shows up. They figure it out as Jesus. Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. And he says this because I'm with you. I love what Peter says. Then Peter called to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, if it's really you, come on, y'all read this. If it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Now, you've got to ask, your, ask yourself a question. What does he mean when he says, is it really you? Is it really you? What does that mean? See, really who? See, because for th several thousand years, there was a promise to the Jewish nation, ultimately to the world, that because all the way back in the beginning, because God created man, God created us to be in a relationship with him because of our sin, because of our struggle, because of our brokenness, because of our mistakes, however you want to label it, we're separated from God. But because God loves us and he cares about us and he cares about you and you may not know it, you may have never heard it, God loves you. And so God always had a plan to rescue us. God always had a plan to fix it, to redeem us. And ultimately, the solution to the problem was his son coming and dying on the cross for our sin. But to get from the garden where the fall happened to the cross where Jesus died, there's a gap. And so ultimately, through it, a nation comes. Abraham is this guy. God picks him. 
And out of Abraham comes the Jewish nation. Out of the Jewish nation, after generations, Jesus the Messiah is born. But they've been waiting on it. Like there are these prophecies that the Messiah is going to come. The fixer. Everybody shout the fixer. Because that's who he is. He's the fixer. And people are waiting for, for the hope to come. They're waiting for the fixer to come. They're waiting for the Messiah to come. And so Jesus walks up to these 12 guys and says, hey, come follow me. And they start following Jesus. And Jesus didn't like any other rabbi. There were a lot of rabbis at this time. But this rabbi is different. He teaches things that no one else taught. He doesn't just teach different. He does things that no other rabbi does. Like when he comes across somebody sick, he doesn't say, listen, you're sick because there's sin in your life. He heals them. He comes across people who have died and he raises them from the dead. And the disciples, they start asking, is this maybe the guy? Is this the fixer we've been waiting for? Is this the Messiah? And so they're right here. They're hanging out and they've been spending time with Jesus. They've been following him. And so when Peter asks this question, hey, is it really you? What he's saying is, if you're really the guy that everybody's been waiting for to show up, then you can call me to get out of the boat and you can, you can make me walk on water. If you're the guy that we've been putting our faith in, you can make it happen. I just want everybody here to know something. What you really believe about God will determine how you feel when you face situations in your life. How you really think about God will determine how you handle difficulties, what you really think, what you really believe about God. So if you just kind of have this casual faith like God's out there, he's the watchmaker and he built it all, but now he's not involved. Okay. If you think like, like God's casually involved and maybe he's here, maybe he's not, you're going to have a tough time facing situations. But what you, whatever it is you believe about God, what you really believe, not what you, what you raise hands on on Sunday morning, not what you shout amen to when I'm preaching. What you really believe when no one's around, when you get the stuff in the mail, when you get the phone call, when you go through the situation, what you really believe about God will matter most when you go through your problems and your situations. And so Jesus, he taught this, right? He was having a conversation. You can read it in Matthew chapter 6. And he starts dialoguing with his disciples about fear and anxiety and worry. And then he says this. He says, he says hey, look at the birds. <laughs> Wait, what? Like... God, I'm facing a crisis in my life. You're telling me to look at the birds. And then Jesus says, hey, look at the birds. Like, who takes care of the birds? Who feeds the birds? And I'm just telling you, whether you believe it or not, whether you buy it or not, the point Jesus is making is, like, birds can't take care of themselves. Like, God's taking care of the birds. And he says, hey, look at the flowers. Like, beautiful flowers. Like, they don't do anything. There's nothing a flower can do to be a flower. But they grow and they spin and they're beautiful. And do you know why? It's because God takes care of the flowers. Now listen, I'm, just, I'm not asking you to buy what I'm selling, but I'm telling you I'm selling it. That if you believe that God is so involved in the details of this world that he feeds the birds and takes care of the flowers, I'm just here to tell you that he can take care of me too. And then Jesus makes his point and he asks this question. He says, hey, and don't you know that you are more valuable than they are? So when you look at a bird and say, my heavenly father's taking care of the bird and I'm not a bird, I'm a son. And he loves me far more as a son than he can love a bird. If he'll take care of a bird, he'll take care of me too. If you really believe, come on. If you really believe that God is involved in the minutia of this world and you really believe that you are valuable to the Father, listen, what do we have to worry about? Listen, God is with us and for us and on our side. Again, it's not the absence of problems. It's his presence in our life. And so he's standing, he's saying, hey, if it's you, if it's really you, if it's really you, 
And I love it. Watch this. Come on. Come on, somebody. Jesus said it like me. He's like, come on. Jesus says, come on. Peter went over. Yeah, he went overboard. All right. He, he went over the side of the boat and walked on the water. Y'all must have heard this story before because you're not impressed. Listen, I know that I know everybody in this room probably at some point, we've all been like 11 years old when you was at a friend's house and they had a swimming pool. And you're like, watch, I'm going to run on water. And we've ran off the edge to see how many steps. Listen, y'all been there, haven't you? And you're like, look, I ran three steps on the water. No, you didn't. You started sinking as soon. Listen, nobody in this room did what Peter did. He walked on water. That's impressive. And he starts walking towards Jesus on the water. Keep going. But when he saw the strong wind in the waves, so the storm still happened. Again, God didn't fix the storm. What changed his fear to faith was he showed up. When he saw the strong wind in the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. So anytime you get your eyes off your Savior onto your storm, you're going to sink. That's a fact. Because you're looking at your situation more than you're looking at your Savior. And when you look at your situation, it always has a way. Kind of like the rearview mirror, right? Objects appear closer than they really are, right? I'm just telling you, listen, the objects of your life will appear so much bigger than they really are when you get your eyes off of Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. And he's seen the waves again. He felt the water. All of a sudden, listen, that water tension, Science 101, started to break. And that cat with gravity started to sink. But here's like great news still. He shouts to Jesus, and Jesus immediately reached down and grabbed him and said, you have so, this is tough. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, I need y'all just to hang with me. So here's, here's Peter. He's the only one that gets out of the boat. He's walking on water, and he starts to sink, and then Jesus looks at him and says, what's up with your faith, man? Like, if I'm Peter, I'm like, look, what about the 11 still in the boat? Here's what Jesus is saying. Like, it it almost seems like Jesus is cold-hearted. Hey, why do you have so little faith? Why? And he asks this question. Here's the question. Why did you doubt? Again, Jesus isn't looking for information. He's looking for in that moment for us to dig down. Like, hey, hey, hey. Like, you were doing it. You were walking on water. What, What changed? that you started to doubt? Like what, like what flipped in your heart, your mind, your vision, your focus? What changed that all of a sudden you started to doubt? Here's what doubt is. Here's a great definition of doubt. Listen, doubt is a present fear of a future failure. If you're here and you're doubting, it's because you currently are carrying fear about something in your future. Like that's not going to work out. That's not going to come together. Again, I'm not going to get the job. I'm not going to get the relationship. Why are you doubting? It's because, listen, it's because we're not really sure that God's with us. And if he's with us, we're not really sure he's in control. But here's the thing I want to talk about just for a few minutes. I'm going to wrap this up is I want to talk to people here who really love Jesus. If you're here and you're new, I'm glad you're here. And I just want want to remind you, listen, if you're dealing with fear, you can read articles and books and you can Google, and there's lots of ways for you to deal with fear. But at the end of the day, as a person of faith, I believe my hope lies in the one being with me being greater than the fear in my life. But for all of you in this room, 
that like you're in, like you're a Christ follower. I'm not saying you're perfect, but like you're in. Let me just kind of hang with you for a minute because here's what I believe about all of us. I believe that God has big things for us. I believe God has situations in our life that he wants us to walk in. I believe God has destiny and purpose. I believe God has businesses for you to open, books for you to write, music for you to produce, ministries to get involved in, missions to participate in, lives to change, cities to influence, destinies to build. Listen, I believe that people who are called by God can be used by God to do great things for God. I'm glad you all are really excited about that. But listen, there's a reason we don't do it. Do you know why we don't step out of the boat? There's a reason. Do you know why? Do you know why a lot of us don't share our faith? Why we don't get involved? Why we don't take risks to fulfill the dream that God's put in our heart? Why we don't step out to try to do the business? Why? Do you know why? Do you know why we don't do those things? Because we're afraid. We're afraid. And so God's like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. You only have a dream because I gave you a dream. You only have an idea because I gave you an idea. Peter only got out of the boat because he had a word from Jesus. Come on and get out of the boat. If you're here and God's calling you and God's shaking you and you can see a purpose in front of you, you have opportunities to share your faith, to talk to people, to love people, to make an investment to people, to give, to serve, to show up and be a part of a ministry. Listen, if God's put that in you, it's because it's from him. It's not from you. It wasn't your idea. It's his idea. And he's going to empower his idea in your life. And so listen, here's the thing, it's, cra it's crazy. Peter, for thousands of years, like, I didn't grow up in church, but I've been in church now, so I've been almost 18 years old. And I've heard so many pastors, man, like, dog out Peter. Like, yeah, he got out of the boat and he sank. Wait, he got out of the boat. Eleven didn't. He walked on water. I don't know anybody else, even in Scripture, besides Jesus that walked on water. Peter found something out. Everybody listen. Peter found something out in that moment. Remember he asked the question, if it's really you, if you're really the God I think you are, if you're really the God that can do the things like I heard that maybe you can do, if it's really you. And can you imagine that night? Can you, can you imagine Peter when he's trying to go to sleep that night? He's like, I was walking on stinking water. He's like shaking, right? He's shaking Matthew. Matthew, you've seen it, right? You've seen it. He's like, shut up, go to sleep. It's like, I walked on water. I'm telling you, the next day, he's brushing his teeth. I walked on water. He figured something out. He didn't figure out he could walk on water. He figured out, watch, watch. He figured out Jesus is really who he said he is. He really is our strength. He really is our hope. He really is the one that we can put all our chips in. Like you can put all, like all in on Jesus. And if he's with me and I believe he's for me, and I believe he's in control, then even when it doesn't look like it, when it doesn't feel like it, I can trust that God is with me even when the situation doesn't change. Here's what I want to say real quick. Listen, I'm going to shut this down. Watch. Your biggest obstacle to obedience is pride or fear. What's keeping you from doing the thing, opening the business, starting the journey, going on the mission field, writing the book, doing the CD, whatever it is that God's put in your heart, whatever ministry. Some of you here like God's put in your heart to do a small group and you're afraid to do a small group. I'm afraid no one will show up. I'm afraid I won't know what to say. I'm afraid like I'll fail. Like God's put in your heart to share with a coworker or a neighbor what God's doing. Here. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid I don't know what to say. I'm afraid I'll mess up. I'm afraid I'll say something. And we are so driven by fear. And fear, here's the thing is, like we don't deal with everyday fear. We're dealing with the fear that's keeping us from doing God's business. 
And your biggest obstacle to obedience, to doing what God's put in your heart to do, is either pride or fear. Pride because you think your way ends better. I don't need to do it God's way because I got this and it's going to even work out better. Or fear because you think his way ends bad. God, if I do it, people aren't going to like me. If I do it, I'm going to fall flat on my face. If I do it, I'm going to be rejected. And God's like, I've got this. I've got it. And he makes this incredible promise. Listen, I'm with you. The same God who takes care of the birds, the same God who takes care of the flowers, I'm with you. And you're my son. You're my daughter. And so the story wraps up. And here's where we'll close. When they climb back into the boat, that's when the wind stops. Jesus, Peter's like, come on, man. Why couldn't that have happened a few minutes ago? Because he wouldn't, he wouldn't have learned the lesson. It's not about the situation we're in. It's about who's with us in the situation. So they get in the boat, and the wind stopped. Here we go. Verse 33, all the other 11 slow learners. Then the disciples, not Peter because he already figured it out. Then the disciples worship saying, you really are the son of God. See, Peter, in that moment when he walked in water, like, I believe he carried that. He was the guy when, 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 when they showed up to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane just before they crucified him. Do you know the only guy who fought back? you know the only guy who had a backbone was Peter? And he drew a sword and, like, it's on. He cut off the high priest servant's ear, which means he wasn't good with the sword, but he was in it. When the day of Pentecost came, you know who the cat was who stood up and wasn't afraid to preach in front of thousands? It was Peter. Do you know why? Because there's another question Jesus asked. Jesus asked one time his disciples, he's like, hey, what's the word on the street? Who's everybody say that I am? People are like, you're a, you're a prophet. You're Elijah, come back from the dead. Like there's all, and then he, then he asks, but who do you say I am? And you know who answered the question? Peter. Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the fixer. You're the Messiah. You're the hope of the world. And do you know where he got that from? Because two chapters earlier, he said, if it's really you, then you can tell me to walk on water, and I'll walk on water. He got out and started walking. He's like, yeah, that's him. Yep, that's him. And I, I just, my, my hope today is that in all of our fear, we got a ton of, this, this week, you will have opportunities to shake, quiver, lose sleep, and be afraid. You will. You will. And my hope is that you'll take your eyes off of your storm and put them on your Savior. And who is that Savior? Is he really big enough? Does he really care enough? Because if you're trusting, you can't worry. And if you're worrying, you can't trust. Those two things are mutually exclusive. They're diametrically opposed. So I want to pray for you that this week, that man, God's going to fill you with hope. God's going to fill you with trust and faith. Does anybody here feel like they need some faith today? I want you to lift a hand. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that, God, we can have confidence not in our ability to fix things. And, God, not even in the hope that you'll change things. God, I know at times you will, but, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, every person in this room who is facing or will face this coming week the challenges that will bring fear and anxiety and worry. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that, God, you will embolden our faith to keep our eyes on you. And who is you? Who are you? You are the living God. You are our Messiah. You're our hope and our strength and our righteousness. You're the one that can cease storms. You're the one who can raise the dead. You're the one who can forgive sin. You're the one who can heal the sick. 
God, there's no situation that we're in that's too big for you. And so, Lord, help us to see you and not the situation. And so, Father, I thank you right now that, God, fear will diminish, not because the problem goes away, but because, God, you're with us. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Just with your head bowed, just for one minute. Listen, I want to just let you know that he's a fixer, he's a Messiah, and he's a Savior, but he's not yours until you ask him to be. The Bible says that God is not willing that anybody should perish. God doesn't want anybody being separated from him. And he's made a way for all of us to love him and know him, and it comes through Jesus. And the Bible says that if we'll believe, if we'll put faith in God's love for us and what Jesus did for us, that he died for us and he rose from there. The Bible says if you'll believe that, if you'll put your hope in that, the Bible says you're saved, you're forgiven. You get a brand new beginning. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, like I played church or I've never been in church, but today I want, I want to find grace. I want to, I want to experience God's love in my life. I want to know that I belong to him. In a minute, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to include it in this prayer, you say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me today? I want to give my heart, I want to give my life to Christ. I, I want to surrender my, my heart to him. If you're here today and you want to know his grace and his love, and I pray this, and you want to include it, I want you to lift a hand real high, all over this room, right to left, come on. Say, Pastor Steve, pray for me today. I want to say yes to Jesus. Today, I want to give my life and my heart to him. Today, I need to experience his grace. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand real, real high. Come on, all over this room. Come on, no fear, no shame. Throw a hand up real high. I want to pray for you. All the way in the back, thank you. All the way over here, my left, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you back here, my left. I want to pray this prayer. One more. Let's pray together. If you lifted a hand, we're going to pray with you together. And I just want to, I want to chat. You can pray it in your heart to him or you can pray it out loud. But will you pray this with me, church? Will you pray with these four or five that lifted a hand? Say, Jesus, I believe that you love me and you gave it all for me. That you died on the cross and you rose from the dead so I could be saved. I confess my sin and I ask you to forgive me be my savior today and forever in Jesus name and everybody who agreed said amen come on can we give him some love today